in my life. And, and I remember we went to Costa Rica, and, and I studied Spanish every day for eight months. And, you know, you're in class six hours a day, and, and it was stressful. It was hard, but, but by the time you got done, you thought you could speak the language. And, uh, and so I went to Nicaragua, and one of the first weeks we're down there, we're out doing ministry with one of these kids, and he has this really sweet rat tail. And I like rat tails, you know. I used to have one when I was a kid. And so I wanted to go up to this kid, and I wanted to be, like, in Spanish. I wanted to say, I really like your rat tail. But instead, I walked up to him, and I go, I really like your butt. <laughs> There's no recovery in missions when you tell a seven-year-old kid you like his butt. <laughs> He's just like, creeper. <laughs> but, you know, I kept making so many mistakes like that, and, and, um, and I just started to shut down. I started to, like, never want to speak Spanish, especially if there was other people around that could speak Spanish. I just wouldn't say anything. I'd have them do all the talking. And, and I just started to really come under this insecurity where I wasn't qualified to go into missions. I wasn't good enough to do this. And, and I started thinking, man, I'm not good enough to do kids ministry. I don't even know if I really like kids. Like, God, what are you thinking sending me here? And I just started to doubt all of these things, and I started to question everything. And, and it's funny because I've always grown up wanting to be a missionary. I, I've loved missions since the day I was 15 years old. God called me into missions. And this is the only thing I've ever dreamed about doing. And, you know, I, I remember sitting there in Nicaragua, and, and we're eating rice and beans, and all of a sudden some of the rice on your plate starts moving around, and you realize you're eating maggots, you know? And everybody else is, like, really grossed out, but I'm like, yeah, missions, you know? And I was just so excited, and my wife's, like, trying to, like, pick them off the plate and stuff. And, and these are the adventure side of missions that I've always loved. I've always dreamed about doing. I remember uh, Cinnabon opened up in Nicaragua, and in a country where there's only two McDonald's, like, Cinnabon is, like, the greatest day of your life. And so we all went to Cinnabon. We jumped in, our, in the van on, on opening day, and the guy's back there, and he's mixing the batter, and he's preparing all these, um, these Cinnabons to go put, be put in the oven, and I really wanted to lick the spoon. And so I just get all confident, and I just walk in the back, act like I work there, you know, know what I'm doing. And the guy's mixing the batter, and I just look at him like, hey, can I, can I lick the spoon? And he just looks down at me, looks at the spoon, he's like, okay, and like hands it to me. Of course I didn't lick it, that's gross, but I did stick my finger up and down it a few times, and then he stuck it right back in the bowl for everybody else to enjoy later. Um, I love missions, you know, you can, you can have that kind of stuff. Like these are the adventure side of mission that I really loved. Um, I needed a new, last summer, I needed a new Facebook picture, you know, mine was a little outdated, and you know, Facebook's everything. And so we're out doing ministry one day, and we come across this random airstrip out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm thinking, that would be a great Facebook profile picture. And so we get out, we jump the fence that says no trespassing, and, <laughs> and we're over there, and we're taking photos, and I'm taking some photos of Megan, and, and all of a sudden, three armed military guards carrying shotguns come running at us full speed. So, so we did what any normal person would do in that situation. We ran. And, <laughs> and we jumped the fence, and we got in our speed the light vehicle, that may or may not have ended up in a car chase with a guy on a motorcycle with a shotgun pointed at us. <laughs> so if there's any youth in here who are giving to speed the light, keep it up. <laughs> but I love missions. Like, I've loved the adventure side of missions. And Megan and I, we were married three months when God gave us a call, I want you to go to missions. And so we spent the first two years of, of our marriage just raising a budget to get to Nicaragua. And I remember thinking, like, when we're starting to fill out the application, trying to figure out where does God want us to go, he came back and he said, I want you to go to Nicaragua in Latin America. And I just felt very discouraged. And I was just like, why? Like, I don't even like Latin America. Like, God, why are you sending me to a place I don't even want to go to? Because I've always wanted the adventure side. I wanted to trailblaze Africa and, and China and all this. And I realize now, like, looking back at the experience that I've had, 
I doubted God's calling on our lives, on my life, before it ever even began. I doubted why God would use me, how he could use me, and, and why he would choose me to go to Nicaragua. And I doubted God, and this was something that I struggled with my first year on the mission field. I, I kept asking God, I'm like, God, why am I here? Why are you sending me here? Because I had this dream of missions. I had this dream for my life of what, exactly what I wanted it to look like. But it was nothing like God, what, what God wanted my life to look like. And I struggled finding my identity. And, and a lot of that was because I went into missions. I went into Nicaragua thinking that they need me. I went into thinking they need me to civilize the people, you know, make sure they get jobs and all this stuff. And I realized now that that was wrong. I realized I didn't need, or Nicaragua didn't need me. I needed Nicaragua. I needed what Nicaragua had to offer me, and I needed what God's plan was for my life. Because at the end of the day, that's what's most important. In Nicaragua, it changed my life in a good way. It brought out every single insecurity and every single struggle I ever could think of imaginable in my life. And I never considered myself insecure, you know. And maybe that's young and arrogance, I don't know. But I was always pretty cocky and confident in who I am. But missions just brought out every insecurity in my life. And I remember, you know, um, we went to uh, Costa Rica. And by the way, I, just, I have to say this. My friend Pablo is here from Costa Rica today. And... He's an amazing man of God, and, and, and it's an awesome church that really poured into Megan and I, and, and I can't, you guys are amazing, and it's an honor. Um, but we were in Costa Rica, and, and we got invited to go do some ministry out in the middle of nowhere, six hours away from San Jose. It was two hours away from the nearest village that had running water or electricity, and we, got, and we went up on this mountain, and we hiked up there, and we drove the vehicles as far as we could, and then we had to hike up the rest. And, and there's two rivers that cross this mountain, and, and it just started to rain. And we were going to spend a few days up there doing ministry. And so it, it just started to rain and rain, and it wasn't letting up. And we decided that we're going to cut our trip short and leave the next day because the rains were getting so bad. And so we go to sleep. We're sleeping in hammocks outside in the rain. We're sleeping in vans, anywhere we could find, like, with a, with a roof. Like, we were just we were falling asleep. And we wake up the next morning, and the river that was down below us that was next to the mountain had grown five times wider and had wiped out the road completely, and there was no way to get out with our vehicles. And in the background, you hear what sounds like gunshots echoing through canyons, and what it was is it was landslides were happening. The road was completely washed away. A big boulder had come and just took out a large chunk of the road that came up to the mountain. And honestly, it was one of the scariest things I've ever been a part of. It was one of the scariest moments of my life. And, and we decided we're with a team from the States, and they have to get back the next, uh, in a couple days to get to the airport. And so we start to hike out. And, you know, we're trying to cross this huge river, and there's trees, full-grown trees just coming, streaming down the river full speed. There's boulders, rocks, everything. And a few of us got stuck. We couldn't get out. A few of the team members made it, but within an hour, the river had doubled the size again, and it was just so big. And so Megan's trying to cross, and she's like 94 pounds at best. And so she's just like floating away down the river. And so we realized that we need to stay. There's no way we can go. So five of us, or four of us, decided that we have to stay back. And we only had a half bag of Skittles and a bag of beef jerky. That, that didn't last very long. <laughs> but we didn't know how long we were going to be there. We just thought, we're stuck here until the rain stopped. And I remember being there that night, and they put us up in this little shack that's on these six-foot-tall stilts on the edge of a cliff in the middle of a landslide. <laughs> logic <laughs> and and we're sitting there and every time it thundered the whole house just like it shook it was this little like six foot by six foot shack and it was one of the scariest moments of my life and I just remember sitting there thinking we're gonna die like what is going on I'm like curled up in the fetal position like a little baby Megan's holding me <laughs> I'm kidding I'm a big strong man um 
But I just remember thinking of that moment. I'm like, we're done. And I just started to pray. And I've never prayed like this in my entire life. But I just started to pray with boldness. like, Because my life, I felt like depended on it. And Megan's bawling. She's in tears. And we're just praying. And all of a sudden, I just start praying. And, and the peace of God came over me like I can never explain before. I've never had it happen. And all of a sudden, the storms just kind of stopped. And everything settled down. And we had this peace in the middle of this storm. And God just brought this peace. And so the next morning, we, the rains had completely stopped. And so we decided we're going to hike out six. It was a, a four-mile hike, and it took us six hours to hike out. We're crossing this river and stuff. And, and we finally get picked up. And on the radio, it said it was the worst national disaster in that area in like 25 years that Costa Rica had ever seen in that area. And we were right in the middle of that storm. And I remember um, coming back, every house was flooded up past their doorways of their houses, and everybody had their furniture and was on the roof just sitting there because the water level was so high. And I remember thinking that God had to bring me into the worst storm, into the middle of the biggest storm I've ever experienced in order to get my attention, in order for me to sit there and say, God, I trust you, and God, I need you right now. And this was a common routine in my life over the, ne- over the next year. I remember, you know, I'm a control freak and big time. And, and we struggled with our finances. And, and as missionaries, that's how you survive on the field. You need people in churches who are willing to commit to you every month. And our first six months on the field, we were short $300, $500, $600 every single month. And I remember going to Megan just so angry, thinking, we're going to have to go home. Our budget, we can't sustain this. Like, there's no way we're going to make it. And in six months, we did this. And I was just so bitter at God. Like, I was just stressing out all the time. And I go to church one day. I go to Pablo's church. And one of the ladies comes up to me. And she goes, why are you worrying about money? And she had no idea. And my logical response was, because I don't have any, duh. <laughs> but she just goes, God called you to here for a reason. God called you to Nicaragua for a reason. God's not going to let you go home now. God's going to provide for you. And in that moment, I just stood there, and I just looked up at God, and I go, God, I trust you. And our budget, ever since then, it's been well over a year and a half, has come in $500 over, $600 over. And God has transformed our budget where we don't even worry about money. And God is faithful. God blesses us. And God was using these situations to really get my attention and to really speak into my life because I had my own ideas and my own agendas about what I wanted my life to be and what I wanted missions to be. But God had this other dream. God had his own ideas and his own agendas. And he was trying to get me to see those because that's where we need to be. We need to be in the center of God's dream for our lives. You know, and I really believe that God had to take me to Nicaragua and to Costa Rica, not so we could save people. We did great things. There's no doubt about it. But I believe that was a wake-up call for us to be drawn closer to God. I believe that was my wake-up call because I'm such a control freak, and I really believe that Nicaragua and Costa Rica, they were the only places in my life where I've never been in control. Everything was just, you didn't know what was going to happen. But God had to bring me there to open my eyes. God had to wake me up. If you have your Bibles, um, we're just going to share in Exodus chapter 3. And it's the story of Moses and the burning bush. I kind of want to share with you guys just about how I've had to learn to surrender everything I had to God and just be obedient to the calling that he's placed on my life. God moved in our lives this last year. There's no doubt about it. But it came with steps of faith, and it came by being obedient. And, and I really believe that, that God, God's plan for our lives is so much bigger than we could ever think imaginable. And we're going to start in verse 1. And it just says, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see the strange sight, why the bush is not burning up. 
When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses responded by saying, Here I am. And God said, Do not come any closer. Take off your shoes, because the place you are standing is holy ground. I love this verse because you see Moses walking through the middle of this desert, and all of a sudden he sees this bush on fire, and, and he's like a little alarmed by it, and then he notices that the bush isn't being consumed. It's staying lit. And he walks over, and he gets to, the, to right where the bush is, and the bush speaks out and says, Moses, take off your shoes because the place you are standing is holy ground. You guys watch the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Great movie, right? There's a part in that movie where he has to get the holy grail. He's got those obstacles at the end. And one of those obstacles is he gets to the edge of this ravine. And it's this bottomless ravine, and there's no way out. But on the other side, about 25 feet, is the, the pathway continues. But he doesn't know how to get across. If he takes a step, he's going to fall to his death. I really believe that this is the moment that God has to get us to in our lives. I think this is that complete moment of surrenderance where there's no other option except to look at God for a way out. And I believe this is where Moses was at in his life. I believe Moses was standing in front of a bottomless ravine, and God was asking him to take a step of faith and trust me. You know that verse, um, Hebrews 11:1, 1, faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the confidence of what we do not see? That's an amazing verse, isn't it? Until you're standing in front of that cliff. Until you're standing in front of that bottomless ravine, that's a great verse to say. That's a great verse to throw on a banner. But that is a hard verse to live out. That is a very hard, hard verse. And I remember so many times we've been there. We were coming back from Nicaragua, and on the plane ride home, I feel like God's telling me, I want you to give away your savings account. Every penny that you own, I want you to give it away. And I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. You know, I'm like arguing with God about it. And God's like, no, I want you to give it away. So I'm like, all right, Megan will talk some sense into me. I'll, I'll ask her about it. And I look at Megan, and I'm like, Megan, I feel like God is asking us to give away all of our savings. And she goes, okay, if that's what God wants you to do. And I'm just like, no, what are you doing to me? <laughs> and I was like, oh. And so I get back the first day. I go to the bank. I close our bank account. I close our savings account. And I gave every penny to the next missionary that came to our mind. And I just gave it away. And I trusted God. And I go home, and I'm like, God, I did what you want me to do. And I trust you. And the next day, I wake up, and we had to go buy a car to start our itineration to travel around tell people about what we're doing. And we go to apply for a car loan. And I had found out while I was gone, one of my lovely family members stole my credit and killed my credit score. But don't worry, in seven years, it'll be back. <laughs> and then they racked up about $800 in debt. And I just remember sitting there like, I had the money yesterday in my savings account. God, what are you doing to me? And I was just so angry. And I was so mad. I'm like, God, what am I going to do? I don't have the money to pay for this. Like, this is ridiculous. And I was mad all day, pouting. And I was just done. And I just, I didn't pray. I didn't read my Bible. I was just done. I was so mad at God. And that night I go to bed and I'm just sitting there and I just go, God, I know you asked me to give my money away for a reason, but I trust you. No matter what happens, I trust you. The very next morning I wake up and I'm looking over, how can we pay these bills? And I found on some old credit cards that we hadn't used since way before we left for Nicaragua that we even forgot about. And, it, and the point value system on that added up to the amount that my family member had stolen from me and the debt that I was due, like, to pay. God showed up. God asked me to do something, and there was this extreme situation that didn't make sense, but then God came through, and God blessed us, and God did something incredible. And that was all God, but it came with a moment where I had to stand at the edge of that cliff, and I had to say, God, I trust you. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And, and I trust you for it. And when we're at that moment of surrenderance, that's when God comes through, and that's when God does something in our lives. Um, there was another story a couple days after this. You'd think I would have learned by now. But I go to sell my iPhone on Craigslist because I wanted to buy a new phone by the time we go to Thailand and stuff because mine was having some issues. 
And so I agree to meet with this kid and sell my phone for $200. And on the way over there, I, I, I feel like God's saying, I want you to give this kid your iPhone. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. That's not God. Like, that's the burrito I had. <laughs> and God's like, no, I want you to give him your iPhone. And I literally did this. I go, God, I'll make you a deal. <laughs> I'll give him the iPhone for $100. That way he's blessed and I'm blessed. And God's like, no, I want you to give him your iPhone. And I go, okay. So I did it. I give this kid my iPhone, and it's like that extreme awkward situation. Hi, I'm a Christian giving you my iPhone. Like, you, how do you do that, you know? But I did it, and I said, I just feel like God wants me to give you my iPhone. And he just looks at me, and he stops. And he just, like, starts telling me about all the struggles that he's had in his life. And, and we're talking, and I got to talk with him through some issues. And we've actually stayed in touch since then through emails and stuff. And, and, I'm trying to, and he's trying to get involved in a church. And it's been this awesome, incredible witnessing experience that God allowed me to have because I was obedient to God. Because I took that step of faith of giving my iPhone away. God allowed me to have a great witnessing opportunity. And the really cool part is God didn't stop there. I get home a few hours later, and a friend of mine calls me and says, I feel like God wants me to give you my new iPhone. And God gave me a new iPhone, and I didn't have to pay a penny for it. <laughs> God comes through when we need him. God blesses us. And it's not always with iPhones. I wish it was. That's the only one I've gotten. <laughs> but I know when we're there at that moment of obedience, God shows up, and God does something really cool in our lives. And, you know, you go back to Indiana Jones, and you see he's standing there in front of that cliff, and he's only got one option, and that's to take a step of faith. And so what does he do? He closes his eyes because he doesn't believe it, and he lifts up his leg, and he steps. And at that moment when he's about to fall to his death, the camera pans out, and that bridge has appeared out of nowhere. That bridge is God in our lives. That bridge, that invisible bridge is God because God wants to use us, and God wants to do something great in our lives. But we have to be at that moment of surrenderance where we can't be in control anymore, where we can't try to figure everything out, and we just have to say, God, I trust you. And I don't know where you're at with your finances and your home or anything like that or personal issues, but if you're standing in front of one of those cliffs tonight or today, if you're standing in front of that bottomless ravine, the first step is you're saying, God, I trust you. God, I need you. And no matter what, you are in control. The moments I've surrendered my problems to God and just said, God, I trust you, God always showed up. God never failed us. And God did something so much bigger and so much better than what my plan originally was. God has a huge purpose for our lives. And God is not asking us to worry about those bottomless ravines. Those things are stressful. God is just asking us to take the step of faith. God is asking us to be obedient and follow after him. I really believe that when Moses took off his shoes and he stepped onto that ground, that was the first sign of obedience over his life. Before that, he was just the cool kid floating in the basket. But this was the moment where God said, I'm going to use you, but I need you to take a step of faith. And because he stepped of faith, God was with him every single place that he went. And I believe God's plan for Moses was huge. I believe God had this great plan for Moses' life. But you know what? None of that would have happened if Moses would have said, I'm not taking that step. If Moses would have turned around and went home, Moses wouldn't be in our Bible today. I believe God has a huge plan for my life. I really do. But you know what? All of it's going to be thrown to the wayside. All of it's going to be pointless unless I'm sitting there and I'm willing to take that step into that bottomless ravine and to say, God, I give you my life. And that's what we need to do as a church. That's what we need to do as Christians. On those edges, on those, on those moments where everything seems hopeless, we need to be willing to step out and just say, God, I'm trusting you, and I will follow you everywhere I go. And some of it's going to be in these big situations, and some of it's going to be in little small situations, and you're not going to be able to explain why. There was one time I was out golfing, and, and I come out of the clubhouse, and there's this, like, 75-year-old guy, and, and he's wanting to, to golf with me. He goes, hey, you want to golf with me? And my friend didn't show up. 
And I'm like, I don't want to golf with a 75-year-old guy. You know, that's what I'm thinking in my head. And I just feel like God's saying, golf with him. Just, just go. And so I said yes, and I had no idea why. And by the time we had gotten to the first hole, we, we did our introductions. Um, I asked him what he did. He says he was a retired school teacher. And then I explained to him what a missionary is. And he stops the cart, and he looks at me, and he goes, this is going to be interesting. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, a religious man golfing with an atheist. For the next two hours, I didn't be cheesy. I didn't bring up, like, scriptures or anything like that. That guy opened up to me and just started telling me about his life. He started telling me about why he had run away from God, why he's been through three failed marriages and has kids he doesn't even talk to. And then I got to share with him how I'm just, I'm drug addicts, kids from Georgia, but God changed me. God saved my life, and God put me in a place with purpose. And I told him how God wants to use him for the exact same thing. When Moses took off his shoes, he surrendered his life to God. He surrendered his will to God, and that's what we have to do. That's what our calling is. Our calling, you know, we always want to know the end result of our calling, and, and you know, we always want to know where we're going to end up in life. It doesn't happen like that. All God's asking us to do is take our, step, is take our relationship with him one step at a time, one step in obedience at a time. And, and we can throw up all the excuses at God. We can say, we're not this, we're not that. Moses tried it. Look where it got him. Moses said, you know what, I can't speak. I can't do any of that things. But God said, I don't care. I chose you for a reason. I chose you because where you fall short, I'm going to make up the difference. We think that we can't do things because of this or because of that. But you know what? We took communion today. You know that little cracker that we ate? That cracker represents the very flesh and blood that Jesus Christ used to heal people, to speak into their lives, to change lives. And if, that, if we take that out of remembrance of him, that means we have that same power inside of us and we can't be hindered by our flaws and our insecurities. We have to be willing to say, God, Use me no matter what. Use me despite all of my imperfections. I, I'm an idiot on so many levels. I'll be the first one to admit that. Like, I have so many, so many issues. But you know what? Every single day, God still uses me. And it's not because I'm cool or I have great hair or anything like that. But it's because I'm obedient. It's because I say, God, use me. Use me in this situation. And it's because of that that God uses us. And God wants to use every single person in here, no matter where you're at in your relationship with him. God will speak to anybody who's willing. Our journey is not always easy. Our journey into Nicaragua, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I wanted to quit. I wanted to pack it up and go home so many times. But looking back now, just knowing that I just tried to be as obedient as I could, it was the best two years of my life because God used me to do great things, and God stretched me and took me to places where I never thought were possible. I really believe I needed to go on this mission's journey for me. I know that might sound selfish, but God is all is taking us all on a journey. And our journey, he's going to use us to bless people, and he's going to use people to speak into our lives. But it has to come with steps of obedience. It has to come one step at a time of us standing in front of this bottomless ravine when everything seems hopeless, and it's just saying, God, I trust you, and I'm willing to follow after you. And that's what God's plan is for our church. You guys have been given to missions like crazy this last year. And that's amazing. That, that is incredible. But you know what? Giving's not enough. It's got to come from here. Your heart for people has got to be right here. You know, obedience from God, it starts in your inner self, and it starts by just trusting God. I learned from all of my insecurities in Nicaragua. I learned from all the heartache, the struggles, and it made me a better person. You know, God wants to use your imperfections to bring you closer to him. We need God way more than he needs us. In fact, God doesn't really need us. But the cool thing about God, he wants us. 
He wants us. I love my wife. I will go with her to the ends of this earth. And part of that is because I think she's really hot. But, but the other part is I love her. I, she doesn't need me. But she lets me hang out with her. And because of that, I will go anywhere, and she will go anywhere with me. You know, and this is called a mission. It's been a struggle for both of us. We, we found out a couple weeks ago that we're, we raised our budget, and we're leaving April 10th for Thailand. And, and I remember running upstairs, like, all excited, like, telling Megan, Megan, we're leaving April 10th. And she looks at me, and she just starts crying, and she's bawling because her family's here. Her life's here. Everything is here. But you know what? We don't have to like what God asks us to do. The only thing God wants us to do is be obedient. And if we're obedient, God will bless us for it. God will reward us for it. And my wife's being obedient to the call on her life. I can pack up and go because I'm not close to my family. I can't, have, I can't understand what she's going through. But God asks us all to do different things. And I know not every single person in this room is called to ministry full-time, but I do believe that every single person in this room is called to serve God full-time. God has a plan for your life, and God has a purpose for you. And it doesn't matter if you're down a big boy in the road or wherever. God wants to use you in every situation, but you have to have a heart that's willing to just say, God, use me today because I trust you no matter what. There was a moment that um, when we came back from Nicaragua, we, we, I came home one day when I was in Nicaragua, and I had been playing soccer with kids all day. And I looked under my bed, and I saw nine pairs of shoes. And that's not wrong. I'm not saying anything against it. But my issue came, I had been playing with kids all day who were playing barefoot because they didn't own a pair of shoes. They were wearing, the boys were wearing girl shoes because that's the only shoes that they had. And I sat there, and I realized that, that I'm blessed, like financially, but also because I, I know God. And, and so we decided when we got back to the States, we're going to just get rid of all of our stuff. And we had packed up everything from our wedding shower, our house, everything, and just put it in a basement. And as we're going through, we just gave it all away because we didn't care anymore. If we can give up our, some of our material things, if our sacrifice can lead other people to Christ, we're all for it. And so we've given up a lot of things. And I'm sitting there as we're going through these boxes. And Megan, Megan's holding this lettuce spinner, like the thing you pump to dry the lettuce, you know. And I look over, and she's, like, bawling her eyes out. And she's just like, ah! And I'm just like, what is wrong with her? Like, and, and I look at her, and I'm like, Megan, why are you crying? It's a lettuce spinner. Like, bring it with you. And, and she said to me, she goes, I'm never going to get a chance to have a house in the States. I'm never going to get a chance to raise my kids like a normal person would do. And that was one of her moments of surrenderance. That was one of her moments where she said, God, I give you the lettuce spinner, and I follow you. You know, because that lettuce spinner, it, it symbolized what she was giving up. And that's what God's asking us to do. And I'm not saying God's going to ask you to give up all your material possessions. I don't know. But I do know that God's just asking us to be willing to be obedient to the calling that he's placing on our lives. He's just asking us to be willing to take that step of faith and to trust him no matter what. I, and it's funny, like, I've been getting back, and I've had, like, these great witnessing opportunities with people, and I started going to this barbershop near Detroit. And the first day I get there, this guy, he, he said he was an atheist, asked what I did, made clear he was an atheist. And then he starts talking about this one people group and how they need to be wiped off the face of the earth, how we just need to nuke the whole, like, area of the world. And I remember getting there, and I was just so mad listening to him say all these things. And, you know, I'm a missionary. I live overseas with, with foreigners all the time. Like, I love that. I fit in more overseas than I do in the States sometimes. And I'm getting so mad at this guy that I get done, I get up out of the chair, and I wanted to punch him in the face. Like, I really did. And I really thought, maybe God will give me, like, a couple crowns in heaven if I can get him good enough, you know? <laughs> and I was just so mad at this guy. I got in my car, and I said, I will never come back here again. I'm done. Like, this guy is ridiculous. And... All of a sudden, on my way home, I feel like God just say, why? Why won't you go back there? 
And it realized that this guy didn't need another Christian who hated him. He didn't need another Christian mad at him. What he needed was the love of God showed to him. What he needed was, despite of his ignorance, someone was still willing to be there to tell him about God. And I made it a point every single time I get my hair cut to go back and see this guy. And the last time I was there, he looks at me and he goes, I know you're a religious guy and I'm going through a lot of bad things in my life right now. Could you pray for me? But you know what? That took a step of faith. That took multiple steps of faith, the going back and listening to his ignorance because it was, it was hate speech. But you know what? I was being obedient because this guy needs love. Too many times in the Christian realm, in the Christian world as Christians, we get so righteous about how other people are. But at the end of the day, they don't know Christ. They need love, and it's our job to show them that. It's our job to show them who Christ is. Um, we have to take the message of truth to this world. These flags represent more than, than just countries. They represent individual lives. They represent lost people that have never heard the name of Christ. We're going to go to Southeast Asia, and we're going to backpack through all these closed countries that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And we know that's our calling, and we're, we're honored to be obedient to what God's called us to do. But this world, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the lives that are represented around this room in these flags. It's about these lost people who don't know Christ, and they need a way out. They need a chance to live their life. They need a chance at hope. They need a chance to hear about a God who loves them. And that's what our responsibility is as Christians. If Brandon wants to come back up, we can do the song. We're going to sing a song in a minute. And it's just called, I Surrender All. And, and I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know if you're struggling with finances. I don't know if you're struggling with your relationship with God. But I do know if you're standing there in front of that bottomless ravine and everything seems hopeless, all God's asking you to do is lift up your hands and just say, trust you God whatever you want for my life I'll be as obedient as I can to that's the moment where God will step in and God will change your life that's the moment where God wants to use you to change this world you guys are changing lives there's no doubt about it but we need you need to be 100% committed to the calling of God on your life for so long I just tried to be part-time committed and it didn't work but God wants us to be willing to just be obedient to his just be obedient to his calling on our lives. So if you guys could stand with me. We're going to sing, and I want to encourage you, if you're going through a difficult time in your life, come up to the front. Just say, God, I give you everything and I trust you. And there'll be people here to pray for you. Maybe some of you are going through these financial struggles. You know what? At the end of the day, it's all God's money anyway. But maybe it's time we just say, God, I trust you with the finances because that's not my responsibility. That's on you. You take care of me because that's what matters. And I really believe that, that God wants to heal people. Like, God wants to... I don't know why bad things happen to people. I don't know why people experience pain. But I do know in order to, to get over that, it just takes a moment of just saying, God, give you my body. Use it for whatever you want. And God will come in and he'll heal you. And I really believe that. So we're going to sing tonight or today. And if you want to come up, come up. Let's just sing that together. I surrender all. And I surrender.